0: It's Thanksgiving week, and so this week, we give thanks to the football gods for giving us some sensational games so far this season. Let's get stuck in. Welcome back to the Punt Return. Week 12 is on the horizon here in the NFL. I'm Ryan Lepore, your host, and as always, I am joined by my co-host and very good friend, Nick Splitter. Nick, how are you going, mate?
1: Good mate, glad to be back. It's been um, it it like you said, it's it's kind of amazing to think that it's week twelve already. It feels like it's we're still in such a young season, and yeah, you know, maybe we're a month in is what it feels like. But you know, we're kind of eleven, twelve weeks in, it's it's pretty amazing. It's gone so quick.
0: No, it's absolutely flown by. And as we said off the top, some amazing games we have to be thankful for. So let's let's start there, mate. Uh, as we know, we we mentioned Thanksgiving week in the in the states, of course, three games to kick us off this week on Friday. And no buys as well this week, which is fantastic. We get a full slate of 16 games. So no implications for fantasy players or, or anyone like that. So yeah, a lot of things to be thankful for, mate, as, as we touched on off the top. What's the, what's obviously, I can probably guess what you're going to be thankful for, but let's let's start with you, mate, and, and what you're thankful for so far this season.
1: Yeah, look, probably probably a bit unusual, but uh, I'm thankful for the Eagles and, and I'm thankful for the Eagles and their head coach, Nick Sirianni. I feel like what what he's been able to do with this franchise is nothing short of incredible and it's a, he's a guy that just gets it he gets the players he gets the franchise he gets the history he gets the city he gets the people and he's just one of us he's one of us and he's got an incredible football brain and he's getting he's getting the best out of guys that we hadn't seen the best out of so uh, I'm thankful for Nick Sirianni, and I feel like he's the most Philly coach that we've had at the Eagles for a while, probably since probably since Andy Reid. How about you? What are you thankful for?
0: Lots to be thankful for, mate. As you said, it's been a, been a pretty incredible season so far. Plenty of interesting storylines for sure, ones we wouldn't have picked, but I'm probably most thankful for at this right at this point of the season, a guy named Kenneth Walker III. And if he can salute as offensive rookie of the year, I will be very thankful and very happy. Uh, we locked in thirty one dollars at the start of the year, so very thankful for Kenneth Walker, who hopefully didn't lose any any points last week uh, while he was sitting on a buy. But uh, yeah, very thankful for him and at this stage. But yeah, lots to be thankful for, as you said, and and it's been an un- unreal season. A lot of lot of um a lot of upsets and a lot of teams we probably didn't expect to go so well and. And teams that you know are struggling that we we certainly didn't picture as well as as it is for any NFL season. But very thankful as well that our, our fantasy team as well made is, is going so well now. We've we've had a huge win over the weekend and probably our biggest score of the year actually quite by quite significantly. And that that included a Ronda Moore minus, which which uh, lost me a game, of course, in fan, in another league that we <laughs> we chatted about off offline a couple of days ago. That was that was quite brutal. Uh,
1: we. <laughs> we could do an entire episode uh, i reckon of you just ranting about that <laughs> cuz well, that was that was one of the worst beats i've ever seen so why don't you give the listeners just a a very brief rundown of what happened to you in fantasy last week
0: yeah so i was playing a non-standard or oh, sorry non-ppr so standard league and my team got to 112 or so points and i had my opponent had kelsey and mahomes who were just going off in the in the sunday night game of course and got within, I think it was 0.03, so I'd held off by 0.03, but of course I still had a player up my sleeve in Rondell Moore, who I decided to start this week, who'd he been kind of riding my bench, and I thought, you know what, I was high on him at the start of the season, I really wanted to get him, and I haven't even played him yet, so let's do that this week, and of course, it came back to bite me very badly, because on the first play of the game, he got minus six yards, which obviously took me, back behind uh, my opponent by 0.03. And then, of course, he didn't play <laughs> another snap after he got injured. And the problem was the whole dilemma of do you play a guy even though you've already got the lead? I couldn't even bench him because all of my bench had already played. I didn't have anyone on the buy that I could bring on as a replacement at wide receiver there. So that hurt immensely. And, and I didn't even contemplate benching him because surely the guy doesn't get minus. But, of course, that's what happened and i and i lost a critical game where i was uh i think it was 5 and 5 going into this into that week and uh, i was actually 5 and 1 in this league and now I'm 5 and 6 so that that hurts it really hurts it's it's a wide open league and there's a quite a bad punishment for the bloke that comes last so anyway we're, we're not looking <laughs> down the barrel of that quite yet i still think i have got i think bottom might even be 4 and 7 though it's it's super wide open so wow yeah it's that's a critical tough. loss and let's hope it doesn't um come back to bite me on the ass.
1: That is very rough. That is one of the absolute worst beats that I've ever heard of in fantasy. That you come down to your last game ahead with a, a wide receiver coming up and he puts up a donut. Not just a donut, but a minus. Not just a donut. A minus donut. to take you below your opponent. That is very, <laughs> very rough. And uh, I feel for you. I feel for you. But, yeah, it was tough. but yeah. our, our fantasy team, no yeah. such bad luck.
0: No, we we had Ronda Moore on our team as well, but it did not matter because we had already put up over 160 odd points. We we
1: were sixty so we were sixty in. points coming into that Monday night football game. I reckon sixty points up.
0: Yeah, it was a pretty comfortable comfortable watch for us. It was a, a huge week with it with some players really going off. Tony Pollard, who mm-hmm. uh, we we were really high on at the start of the season. Travis Kelsey, of course, kept doing his thing and. Uh, well, you were
1: you were high of... on you were really high on Tony Pollard. I, I wasn't so much, but you talked me into it, and ooh, I'm thankful for that.
0: <laughs> thankful for that. Yeah, he's a, he's a freak, and he, as we we discussed during that uh, that game, where they absolutely demolished the Vikings he's going to get paid mm. and whether it's at the Dallas Cowboys or or another team he'll he'll get get his check uh at the end of this year that's for sure he's been electrifying for the he, Cowboys he's
1: been incredible the, the, he's had a good season he's had a really good season but his last month or six weeks has been just incredible and and i think we always knew that in terms of the versatility of the guy he he always had more upside than mm. Ezekiel Elliott you know he was a punt returner in college uh he played against our our good mate Dane Roy in college he was at Memphis, yep. Dane was at Houston. Um, and so we kind of watched the the development of uh, of Tony Pollard over the over the journey and he's he's just a freak athlete. He can catch, he can run, he can block, he can do everything. And the real question was just whether Dallas was going to utilize him knowing that they had Zeke on this massive contract. Were they going to share 50-50 the snaps and and if Pollard performed were they actually going to give him more work, and and the answer is yes. So, well done to well done to Dallas for for riding the hot hand because it's it's gotten them where they are. Because Zeke, everyone I've spoken to, I, I tell Zeke is a good player. He's a really good running back, but yeah, surely you don't pay guys like Zeke that sort of money over that sort of contract um, because you can you can replicate that sort of production fairly easily.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and look, they're hamstrung
1: to Zeke aren't
0: they now really and and that's going to be the thing but you know he's been solid Zeke he hasn't cert- certainly hasn't set the world on fire this year not not like Pollard who is now in the top 10 in the league in, in rushing yards and obviously he's doing it on in the catching game as well as we just touched on and, and the good thing for Dallas I suppose is to have that explosive back and then also that bull in terms of mm. Zeke who can plough through and get into the end zone or when they're deep in the red zone which he did a couple of times you've got the goal line carries which he's obviously great at and then Tony Pollard was off off obviously more of that play play action and, and also just just finds holes where you know mm. there is none and he just explodes once he gets through. So look, that was a that was a route and we could probably move into the NFC because it really started to take shape this week or last week I should say now. Obviously the Vikings were the were the team to kind of challenge Philly for the top spot or the number one seed, and then they kind of took one of the biggest beatdowns you'll ever see from a from a from a team that was eight and one, who now have got a minus or a, a, a negative point differential, mm. which is incredible that when our team's at eight and two, but obviously the Cowboys showed how good they can be. The Niners again showed they're going to be a, a force to be reckoned with in, in the playoffs at the NFC, and of course Philly, who really didn't much have much right to win that game, came back and showed showed a lot of ticket to get up and, and win that game,
1: which was all important
0: for for Philly to you know claim that number one seed and, and make sure they hold it outright.
1: Yeah, it was a, it was a really interesting week because I think. I think we were both we were both pretty high on Dallas. I don't think either of us thought that that Dallas should have been underdogs last week against the, no. the Vikings. And and I've been saying for a while that I thought the Vikings' record flattered them. And and we'll talk more about both the Vikings and and uh, the Cowboys as we head into to week twelve. But um, the Giants were another one uh, again. The kind of their record. I've been saying for months, flattered them. I've never wanted to jump on them. All the numbers, all the data suggested that they were they were flying high but didn't really deserve to be there. And and ultimately, like, all they can do is win games. And well, like I said last week, well done to them. All credit to them. They've been winning games that they didn't deserve to win. But at some point, for both the Vikings and the Giants, that had to fall through the floor, and it did last week. And I actually think the Vikings bounce back this week and they get a win, but um, yeah. I, I still don't think that, the Vikings should be eight and two. Like, well done to them for winning games, but they shouldn't. Have, they should. They should have lost a number of those eight wins. Uh, same with the Giants; they've won games that they shouldn't have won. But you're right. The, the NFC is now starting to take shape, and you know the Niners, like you said, they're coming back. The Vikings, I think, are still a, a really good team. The Giants are a good team. Whether they're really good, uh, I'm not sure. But yeah, there are a number of there are a number of good teams kind of fighting for those, those playoff spots in the NFC.
0: Yeah, I think the top three probably stand out now, don't they, in terms of Philly, Dallas, and, and of course, San Fran. I, I think so. put in there as, a, as that third kind of tier, or that top tier, I should say, of the NFC. And Th- then you've probably got the Vikings on the next level with you know, teams like the Bucks, who are obviously still in, in charge of that division. And, of course, um one to watch out for now, I think, is, is the commanders, and, and they're the and like it's 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 a weird one because I certainly didn't give them much hope at the start of the season, especially the way they started. But the way they've turned things around with, with Taylor Heineke at, at, at the starting quarterback, I mean, it's not really his play that has, has turned the team around. I think it's more that defense and mm. more that cohesion they've now got, I suppose, on the offensive. But I reckon that defense looks incredible, and you know, they showed that again. I mean, it was they only played the Texans last week, but. Can't wait to watch them again this week. Uh, I think they've got, uh, let me just quickly see here where they are, the Atlanta. So they should be mm. winning that at home. They can get to seven and five, and they're a serious playoff threat now all of a sudden.
1: It, it's compelling for Washington, and you're right. It's not It's not Heineke's play that's done it, but from a leadership perspective, I think he's really stepped up. You know, he's driving the team forward. He's not doing anything spectacular. We, we've spoken about Daniel Jones ad nauseum over the last kind of two months, and yeah, it's kind of pretty similar. He's not doing anything spectacular, but he's moving the change. He's doing he's doing what he has to do, and he's driving that team forward. And and now with Chase Young back in that defense, um, the defense is picking up. You know, they started the year slowly. I think we were all a bit disappointed about how that defense was performing, but but they are putting it together. Um, they they are, you know, they, they've got to be a contender. Um, and like you said, those those top three at, at the top of the NFC. Philly, Dallas, San Francisco. I think the one thing that you've got to be concerned about is the health and fitness in San Francisco, just because of their history. I mean, it doesn't look like it's the same, the same issue, but San Francisco have had this same issue for five or six years. So you can never count out a, a big name injury or a couple of big name injuries leading into a, a playoff run. Um, but yeah, the Vikes, the Commanders, the Bucks. You know, as long as as long as they win the division, you never count them out. Come playoff time, either. So, you know, they're they're a force to be reckoned with. The Saints, you know, they can still they can still help shape they can still help shape the division and, and the seedings. Um, so, you know, there, there's there's still plenty of time for for you know up and downs in that NFC uh, seeding in in the rankings, um, and there's there's plenty of time. So, I expect those top three to pretty much be locked in. And the Vikings, I think, are pretty much locked in. Um, everything under that's kind of fun and games. And so I'm really keen to kind of watch what watch what happens. Absolutely, mate. And and the same goes for the AFC,
0: of course, which is wide open as well. Really, the Kansas City, well, I suppose two teams have really pretty much wrapped up their divisions already uh, with three kind of win leads on their rivals and also tiebreakers. So like the Titans... Uh, Two and a half games in front of of the Colts, but they have beaten them twice this year. Same with the Chiefs over the Chargers. They've beaten them twice this year. They have now got a three-game lead. I do not see the Chiefs getting run down again. And, of course, that'll be the seventh straight AFC West title. Whether they can kind of fight off, I suppose, the Bills, Dolphins, or Ravens for that number one spot or number one seed, I should say. The Ravens are the one, aren't they? And the one we kind of outlined a couple of weeks ago, I think, when you were in Philly, actually, James and I. and, And James was really high on the Ravens, which always kind of makes you stand up and take notice when, when the great James Rose tells you to jump on someone. And the Ravens don't play another team uh, above 500 until week 18, which is the Bengals, which will most likely decide the division uh, and the Bengals could potentially steal it off them if they won that home game in week 18. But they need to keep winning because yeah. I think the Ravens will and despite them kind of having a bit of a blip last week and only win, they they won easy in the end, but it was a pretty ordinary and mm. ugly performance against Carolina. Um week by week the week prior, so maybe to be expected a bit of rust. But yeah, the Ravens are built for success this year. Obviously the, the AFC East is the intriguing one though in the AFC and that's uh you know a three way race or, or even a four way race really still uh despite the woes the Jets had on offense last week, which we could touch on a bit later, but uh, Miami, of course, had the buy last week. Saw the Bills get equal to them at seven and three, and, and that's going to be the the one about who kind of takes that number one spot in that division.
1: Yeah, I think I think you're right about Baltimore. I mean, I've uh, been pretty high on them all season, and it, it's it's really nice to hear that that James is is the same actually, because that's like you said when when he says stuff, you take notice. Um, but they're they're a top three, uh, sorry, a top five. Um, DVOA team the top three overall DVOA you know they're they're a really good franchise and and like you said they're built for success they're fit and healthy for the most part you know they're important players are fit and healthy Um, they're making plays they're making moves again and you know I think that they really are a force to be reckoned with the the question marks like you said it's around that AFC East and and Buffalo New York Miami uh, the Pats like that's a really really tough tight division and you know, we thought three weeks ago that Buffalo had it kind of sewn up nearly, but uh, you know they dropped they dropped one, and all of a sudden that that division opens right up again. So there there are some question marks about the the East. Uh, I still think you know Buffalo are way too good to to miss it. I still think that they win the division. Uh, I still think that Miami come second and and sneak a playoff spot. Uh, the other two, I'm I'm not so bullish on the Chiefs. The Chiefs are the one that everybody, the entire league, needs to be scared of. Uh, they've shown again in the last month that they are the best team in the competition, regardless of win loss record. It didn't matter if Philly was eight and zip or eight and one, nine and one. The Chiefs are the team to beat for everybody. And they've shown it time and time again over the last three quarters of a decade. And it's them again. There is no better combination in the competition than Pat Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and with Andy Reid at the helm, you know, they are almost the complete franchise. There's still a couple of little holes, but you know, they have so much talent on both sides of the ball that they can cover those holes when required, if required. and, And quite often they're even not required to do so. So look, they are the team to beat. They go in to playoffs as the number one seed. I imagine with, with no real issues, um, like you said, the Chargers, I've been disappointed about the Chargers and I think we both we both have been, but um, again, can still help shape things over the next month and a half. The good
0: thing about the Chargers, and I know they've lost their last two games, but I reckon they're the two best games they've played mm. all season. Uh, they've obviously run into the Chiefs uh, last week who were, you know, they took the lead with less than 40 seconds ago or 30 seconds ago, whatever it was. And, we're pretty stiff to lose that, and I mean, it took some Patrick Mahomes magic as as per usual to get the Chiefs over the line there. And of course, the week prior, they led by 10 points deep into that second quarter against the Niners, who, we, who we've we just kind of raved about as as one of the best teams in the NFC. So I think the Chargers are starting to slowly get things together about where they should have been at the start of the season. It was just such a poor start, and yeah. some bad coaching and bad decision-making. They've obviously not been healthy either. Uh, of course, with Mike Williams and, and Keenan Allen, the one missing so much time, and mm. of course the the issues they've had on defense with injuries as well. So, yeah, the Chargers can still make a make some noise, and I think they should be able to sneak in as a wild card team. That five and five, though, it is getting a bit hairy when you've got the Bengals, uh, and of course either one of the Dolphins or Bills, Patriots, and Jets. I mean, they're all really fighting for it for a playoff spot, and they're mm. probably the only teams that can make it in the AFC now with with the teams, other teams kind of dropping off and only having four or three wins uh, to their name. So, as you said, the Chiefs are the team to beat. And again, despite what they missed, I suppose, or what they lost in the off-season, they, they're still the team to beat because of how well-drilled that franchise is. And, and, of course, their number 15 is pretty damn good and, <laughs> and should be the, the outright favourite for MVP, which I believe he is. So, look, uh, they, they are flying high and, and yeah. Can't wait to see how the back end of the season plays out. But let's get – well, we won't get straight into it. I know we've just touched on fantasy, but let's quickly um, review our, our punting last week, which was really solid again, mm. other than the uh, the Ravens and the lock of the week costing us a little bit. Uh, they won by double digits but didn't cover the spread, and which was pretty ordinary. But uh, we had a really great start of the week with, with the Titans as underdogs, which covered comfortably.
1: Yeah, I apologize for talking you into a – into the Ravens last yeah. week cuz uh w- was was really strong on on that and uh yeah look was that was disappointing that was a tough watch that was a very very tough watch on the uh the Monday morning it was was really hard to watch because it felt like forever it was like 3 zip and yeah. it was like surely they have to score surely they have to score <laughs> and then they've got to score again and and for so like they scored once and then it looked like they were going to score on every single play after that. But they didn't. Um, yeah. and it was just a real, a real tough watch. But even up until the last 30 seconds, we kind of I kind of assumed that they were going to get there. They were going to, you know, sneak that backdoor cover and it was just going to happen. But yeah, it didn't didn't quite happen for us, unfortunately.
0: No, it was unfortunate on that one, but we did have a really solid week. Otherwise, you took the Saints at the line, which which covered comfortably against the Rams. You also had the over-and-unders on the the Bears and Falcons, uh, which covered the overs, you had the the Washington and Houston game unders, which which you saluted as well. Uh, we both liked the Cowboys at the line. I liked the Commanders at the line. We both liked the Niners at the line. So plenty of big green ticks last week. If it's just the the one we were most confident on, or the <laughs> one we we claimed as the lock of the week. Sadly, that is down slightly, but otherwise another really solid week, which is which is good science. because we, we have been in good form.
1: So. Hopefully it's uh, been a, you
0: guys had it. It's been a good month. Up, like. It's been
1: a good month or 5 weeks really. Um mm. Yeah, it's it's been it's been going nicely. It'd be interesting to see at the end of the season kind of what what things look like if we can if we can make some way of doing it given we've kind of moved away from the you know the three official plays and and whatnot this season. Um Maybe we'll get. Go- it's
0: unfortunate because we probably had our yeah. Well, that's well, well above what we did last.
1: Yeah, year. that's <laughs> right. It's it is a shame, but I mean, we'll we'll take a look back and just see if we can work something out. But uh, I I imagine that we'll be in the we'll be in the black. Yeah. Oh, we'd we'd be
0: well in front at the moment, I think, and that's uh, pretty safe to say. Without tooting our own horn, we we'd if you'd followed all our our plays, I think you'd be you'd be in front. Uh, but you know what kills you.
1: If, and, if you'd followed, and,
0: it goes with it and we love it. Yeah,
1: if if you'd followed us, you could have gone to the World Series. <laughs> very true, very true. We could have all
0: gone on the plane, and I, I don't know why I wasn't invited, to be honest. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll move on and, and and kick us off with one of the uh, the first of the triple headers on on Friday morning, our time, early Friday morning, four thirty, in fact. And it's the traditional Thanksgiving game in Detroit. This time, it's Buffalo that comes to town, who will be playing. Their second week in a row at Ford Field, if you can believe that, funnily Home enough, and away. Uh, home host, and away in Detroit. Yeah, hosting the home game last week against the Browns in Detroit and, of course, now in the other, lock, in the other locker room uh, as the visitors. But the Buffalo Bills, big favourites, nine and a half points. Total is a whopping 54 and a
1: half. Huge, huge total and and within reason. Within reason, I think. But, look, I think Detroit played up last week to the Giants. The Giants played down to the Lions. Um uh, if you recall, I was I was really tempted to take the Lions at the line and, and probably even straight up as well last week, but I just didn't have the balls to do it, and I'm regretting it dearly this week. But um, yeah, not this week. I think the, the Bills are just way too good. I think the Lions played their big game last week. I think the Bills by plenty in nine and a half you know, under 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 double digits. I'm, I'm going to take the Bills here. How about you? Yeah, I think that's the key one, isn't it? Under ten points, I think that's a that's a really
0: good play to, to be confident on the Bills here and. Like you said, three in a row for Detroit. Surely they don't go to four in a row. And I know they'll probably keep it tight for a long way, but there's just so much explosiveness on the Bills. And you just don't trust that Detroit defense, whereas obviously the Bills defense is is one of the best in the league. Um, I know they've been conceding a few points in the last couple of weeks, but they still do rank uh, in the top 10, of course, in, in yards allowed and also points allowed. So, they're still right up there as one of the be- very best in the league. And of course they uh, they generate takeaways and, and we know that Detroit can be prone to turnovers. So especially with Jared Goff, of course, throwing the ball, but I think that the bills, yeah, make it a perfect sweep in Detroit with uh, back-to-back wins. And, you know, they didn't play very well last week and they completely owned the Browns. So, uh, and you think the Browns and Lions are kind of at a, at a similar level. Yeah. Uh, um, Another guy I'm actually very thankful for, in uh, I'll just quickly touch on, Jamal Williams. He's been epic mm. this year and he's uh, got a league leading 12 touchdowns, leads the whole league in touchdowns. He had three last week uh, in one of my big money leagues. He, he's he been an absolute rock for me. I've had him since the start and hes he's been awesome. So another person I'm thankful for this year in the NFL, but... Yeah, and and of course my Bills will be winning this weekend and get back back on top of the AFC East. I think you
1: I think you're right, and 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 just for what it's worth, the Bills are the only team that are top six in DVOA in all of offense, defense, and special teams.
0: At, at their very best, they are the team to beat, but it's just been obviously a couple of hiccups along the way. So,
1: providing Josh Allen is
0: in good health, uh, the Bills should be fine to progress deep into the postseason once again. Straight off the back of that game, or a slight break, but uh, at 8.30 in the morning, Friday morning, we go straight to Dallas, the other official kind game on Thanksgiving. Dallas and Detroit both host um, kind of an early afternoon and a late afternoon game on Thanksgiving Day in the States, and it's the New York Giants coming to town this time at A&T Field. Uh, Dallas minus nine and a half, so big favorites in this one, considering they are, of course, got the exact same records at seven and three, but the total... He is forty-five and a half, Nick.
1: Yeah, I think Dallas should win this one pretty comfortably. Um they do have a slight weakness in their run defense, which the Giants and, and Saquon Barkley will try to attack. But even then, they're still the 11, 11th ranked rush defense. Uh sorry, eleventh ranked rush offense uh in New York against the number 10th ranked rush defense in Dallas, according to Football Outsiders DVOA. And Saquon Barkley was was pretty well held last week. It was an average of just one and a half yards per carry, 15 carries last week against the Lions. I'm not sure that that happens again this week. I'm not sure it happens again this season that he has a performance like that. But it is important to remember that this is a vastly superior defense to anything that the Giants have faced this season. Uh, and we saw directly what they're, what they're capable of last week against that pretty potent Vikings offense with seven sacks from, from the defense. So I'm expecting a, a pretty big Dallas win here. Uh, again, I haven't rated the giants much all season, but I think that the markets have got it pretty spot on here. And I'm, I'm not sure I want to play either of those, either of those lines, but I would take a little look at, at Saquon Barkley uh, rush props. And just to see if there's been any over correction or overreaction to his poor performance last week, um, because I, I think that he has a, a decent sized week this week. Yeah, look, and that that's the only way, really,
0: the Giants are going to going to generate offense. Obviously, against this this amazing Dallas defense, who are the, the the best in terms of the scoring defense in the league. Of course, as you mentioned, seven sacks last week against that Vikings team; they were absolutely all over Kirk Cousins and. Micah Parsons another two sacks, and he's had five games with two sacks this year to get his total of ten. So he, he's either beast, very very dominant, or a little bit quiet and kind of triple teamed, I suppose. So look, he was he was unbelievable last week again, and and uh, ten sacks already to his name for the second year man. Um, and of course, Dallas, yeah, big statement winners last week. They obviously showed, you know, they were obviously coming out to point prove a point after that collapse in Green Bay. <clears throat> I go on a road to go on the road, and then you know beat a team that was eight and one as as handsomely as they did forty to three. It was an absolute beatdown. I think it was one of the the biggest losses in Minnesota's franchise history. I think it was the fifth ever biggest loss. So Dallas has completely owned that game, and and they'll be winning here again. That nine and a half, like you said, mate. I think that's a poison line, even though Ooh. they should be beating the Giants comfortably. They have won their last three. Against them, and they've won thirteen of their last fourteen home games against oh. NFC East opponents, so they've owned that division in the in Jerry's world.
1: So, I think what was that? that what uh, was that loss? What was the fourteenth one? I reckon that would have been Philly, mate. Uh, I reckon you might be right. look on your face. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
0: recall. I think it was
1: only what, maybe a year or two ago. Actually. Yeah, yeah, last year I think it was.
0: The Giants, though, were very good as underdogs, and that's that's kind of been their story all season. And they've actually covered five of their last six games as underdogs. So, yeah, the line is tempting to play uh, for the Giants just because it is such a big start and you think it's going to be a bit of a low-scoring affair. You think, uh, you know, the Giants' defense shouldn't um, let Dallas do what they did last week. But, yeah, there's no way I could be confident in playing either team here. I think Dallas will win, just don't want to be taking the nine and a half. Yeah, the Giants will drop back to seven and four, mate. So, yeah. but it won't really matter too much because I've already got a
1: bottle of scotch in the mail, which is very nice to know. It's it's in the mail. It's in the mail. Should arrive sometime in the next twelve weeks.
0: Before Christmas would be nice if you if you can get a move on, but that'd be good. But yeah, I'm happy to wait till the end of the season.
1: Anyway, we'll move on to the
0: final game of the triple header on Thanksgiving. East one kicks off at twelve twenty our time here on the Eastern Seaboard. It's the New England Patriots at the Minnesota Vikings who host their first ever Thanksgiving game. The Vikings go in as two and a half point favorites, total 42 and a half. Can they bounce back here, Nick?
1: I think they can. I think they can. They're a much better team than New England. And I know everyone talks about Kirk Cousins and the Vikings in primetime games and nighttime games and, and whatever that, you know, it's kind of night mode fail, Kirk Cousins or whatever that is. But I, I, I don't subscribe to trends like that. And yeah, I think that they bounce back here. Um I don't think that they're as, as good as their record suggests that they are, and I've been saying it for weeks, like I said, at the, at the top of the show, but um, Dallas should never have been underdogs last week. Never, ever. We were both pretty clear about that last week, um, and we were both right, and I think that you know they're just a better team than the Vikings by a fair bit, uh, but having said that, the Vikings are a much better team than the Patriots this season, and I think that they bounce back here. I'm on the Vikes the minus two and a half. I, I want
0: to play the Vikings here too. I, I think they, they should win. I'll, I'll be certainly tipping them. I think they will win. I'm just a little bit worried about that New England defense coming up against Minnesota, especially uh, on the short break, the, offense, the poor offensive line is going to get hammered again by this this New England rush defense. who were just epic last week. I mean, they, I know they only played against Zach Wilson and the Jets in terms of quarterback couldn't get out of his own way essentially and they just couldn't run the ball either. And and that obviously plays into the hands of uh, the Minnesota. They want to run the ball on first down with Delvin Cook. So just just not super confident to play the the Vikes even though it is under a field goal. But I, I do think the Vikings are a better team. I completely agree with you. Just the New England Patriots are starting to do something pretty special and Bill Belichick would have this game circled. From a long way out, uh, on prime time to kind of show show the world that he's he's still got a very um you know, a very good defense, even though I know we both kind of looked at it on paper at the start of the year going, Who who's gonna be their star player? Obviously, Matthew Judon was a star last year and it's just elevated his game to another level this year, leads this uh leads the league in sacks with thirteen, so he's two and a half higher than the next best, which is Nick Bosa in San Francisco. So he's had an absolute beast. Uh, he's been in beast mode all year, Matthew Judon. And he's had a couple of friends as well. And they were all over the Jets last week. And the, obviously the big concern for the for the Pats is that offense and, and Matt Jones and how, how long they persist with him. He, he showed a, a few flashes last week. But really, you know, they, they couldn't score either. Uh, it was a pretty interesting game. I mean, it had everything that... Uh, that probably NFL purists would love in the fact that it was just an absolute struggle. And obviously um, the only kind of score in that game, other than a couple of field goals was, was the punt return, which was the, the first punt return for a touchdown all season. So yeah, new England, Uh they're on a bit of a hot streak. Can they continue? Maybe, but I, I think Minnesota will be winning. I'm just going to stay out of that line bet. So it's a no play for me, but yeah,
1: really interesting game. I, either way, I, Either way, I can't lose because if they win by a field goal or more, then you win the bet or I win the bet. And if they lose, then I'm just proven more correct that the Vikings aren't as good as the record says they are. So um, I'm hedging my bets here. Fair enough too. But yeah, should be a good
0: game and probably the, the <laughs> highlight, I suppose, in terms of the Thanksgiving games. With Well, certainly the closest on paper. So hopefully we're treated to three good games on Friday morning. Uh, let's move to the Monday morning slate. We kick off with Baltimore at Jacksonville. The Jags are, uh, sorry, the Baltimore Ravens obviously going as minus three and a half point favourites, the total 43 and
1: a half. Yeah, it's pretty simple, this one. And, and I think I'm going to go back to the well, but good team versus bad team. Football Outsiders' projection for this one is Baltimore minus 5.8. And I 100% agree that this should be way closer to a touchdown than just three and a half points. And I think in this case, when it is good team versus bad team, and, and anyone who listens to this shown and has over the last few years knows that you, know, you you take certain teams in certain situations and even if the bad team isn't as bad as they once were like the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, and you feel that this line is unders which I do then that's a play so Baltimore minus three and a half for me how about you
0: yeah I agree mate completely I, I, I was surprised to see yeah. that it was only three and a half I thought it would be excuse me, like you closer to five or six and uh yeah, I'll be happy to take the, the Ravens at the line here, even though they did burn us last I week did. as we as we touched on. But like you said, there's a golfing class here and um if the teams play anywhere near their at their top level, the the Baltimore Ravens should be should be winning and, and winning quite well. And obviously Travis Etienne has been the shining light for the Jags. Uh, they obviously came off their bye, coming off their bye this week. So interesting to see how they respond but the Ravens just have a few more weapons. Their defense is starting to get things together, starting to get more takeaways and that's kind of been the, the I suppose the slight Achilles heel of the Ravens is that they get scored on quite a lot and they're more getting back to that traditional Baltimore Ravens defense that are just dour and, and Lamar Jackson again has been solid without being spectacular this season and, and he's done what he needs to. And we, Yeah, he, he certainly hasn't been the explosive Lamar Jackson that we, we've come accustomed to in the last couple of years but he's doing enough things right and the more they can get Mark Andrews involved, the better the Ravens will be. And I expect him to continue uh, now that he's kind of had that injury hiccup. And, and over that, let's let's see him explode for the back half of the season. But Baltimore, minus three and a half for me as well, mate. We move on to the next game, an absolute blockbuster uh, between two of the worst teams in the NFL, certainly two of the worst teams to watch this season. And that's the Denver Broncos at the Carolina Panthers. The Denver Broncos go in as minus two and a half point favorites. And the total is a paltry 36 and a half, and I still don't think we're going to get there, do we, Nick?
1: I don't think so. It's the lowest total I've seen this season, uh, maybe even last season as well. I, I know we did have yeah a bunch of kind of high 30s lines last year. Yeah, I know we've, we've had a couple of 38s this year, but I'm not even sure last year we had a, a 36, 36 and a half last season at all. So it is the lowest total I've seen in a long, a long, long time. Denver – are a top four DVOA defense, especially when rated uh, when weighted to more recent performances. And Carolina sit at, at just 21, but even that's probably a, a fair way ahead of where we might expect them to be, given the way their season has panned out. And they've, they've gotten better over the last month as well. They were ranked 25th last week in that same metric. This season, seven Broncos games have gone under this line of 36 and a half. Five Panthers games have gone under this line of 36 and a half. We can't expect Carolina and the way that their offense is currently set up to put up many points against this Broncos defense, which is elite, is legitimately elite. You can only imagine what they'd be doing if Bradley Chubb was still there, by the way, but he's not. And they're still they're still you know, doing incredible things on defense. But we also know that, that Denver don't know how to score. Like, they've just lost the ability. With all that talent, they've lost the ability to score. They've waived Melvin Gordon this week. They look to be running with Latavius Murray at running back who's averaging just 3 yards per carry this season. And we were talking during that Broncos game, I think in that in the last quarter or late in the third quarter that it it felt like Russell Wilson had turned a corner. We we spoke last week that you know the previous fortnight the Denver offense had played somewhat better than we'd seen in in the first half of the season. And in that first quarter, Russ was throwing the ball well you would know, he'd, he'd hit targets. He had one one big play that was called back. You know, it was like a 36-yarder, maybe even a bit of a touchdown pass, but that was called back um, for one reason or another. I can't remember. But looked like he'd turn a corner and, and they were playing really well. And then second quarter on, they just kind of fell apart again and um, went back to the, the rubbish Denver offense that we've seen all season. So we can't logically expect that Broncos uh, are just going to magically start putting up points this week either. Um, So I'm going back to the well with the unders in in the Broncos game and under 36 and a half. And having said that they probably will drop 30 points this week against the Panthers, just to spite me for saying that, uh, that we can't magically expect them to put up points, but they probably will, but you can't bet on that. So I'm I'm going the unders and something that you can bet on.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I think that's probably the way to go. And and look, just to back up your point even further, I know you mentioned seven times under that the total of this game, but Denver as an over and under record this year one and nine, uh, obviously one over nine under. Uh, the Panthers not much better, four and seven at the over and unders as well. So we know it's going to be a low scoring contest just by looking at those numbers. And if, even if you go back to to look at last year, the Broncos weren't putting up points last year either. They actually mm, six, and 21. six and twenty one, six and twenty one. Uh, if you go back to right at the start of last year in the over and unders. So they just don't know how to score at the moment. And and of course, there's a different offense last year, but it's been worse this year mm. under Russell Wilson. And, and as you said, I mean, obviously, Jerry Judy out last week, it, it limited them on wide receiver. But if you're rolling with Latavius Murray as your number one running back at this point of his career as well, you know you're in a bit of strife. But I think... With the news this morning that Daryl Henderson got cut from LA, which was a little bit surprising, mm. expect him to potentially line up in an orange, orange uniform very soon. I think that'd be a landing spot for Daryl Henderson, especially while now that they've cut Melvin Gordon, who again fumbled last week, and you can understand that Denver
1: kind of got fed up with him. But that's, five, that's yeah. five fumbles on the season. I think.
0: I don't think he would lost all those fumbles, but he, he, he certainly had a case of the drops this year. Yeah, Melvin Gordon who. He was a little bit prone to that in, in San Diego or L.A., however you want to call him, when he was back playing there. But, yeah, yeah, Denver, I reckon Daryl Henderson will end up at the Broncos and it'd be not about a bad fit, Interesting, I don't think. But, yeah, look, it's a disgusting game. Don't want to go on about it too much more than what you've already said. I think the unders is probably the play here. and Like you said, mate, they could come out and put all 36 points on themselves. But, yeah, you have to play the unders. The stats say go on the unders and we'll do that. Yep. In a in a really g- a poor game that we don't want to
1: watch at all. Nope. Won't be watching. 100% won't be watching.
0: No, nah, not even. It won't even be highlighted on Red Zone because there won't be any probably Red Zone action. So you won't see a minute <laughs> if you don't want to watch that one. Anyway, we move on to a game that's a lot more interesting, uh, even though they're two kind of franchises that are a bit middling at the moment, of course but the Atlanta Falcons up against the Washington Commanders who are kind of making that late push for the NFC playoffs. And, and so are the Falcons in, in, that, in mind you and Washington go in here as the minus four point favorites, total 41 and a
1: half, Nick, this is a really, a really interesting one. And I'll tell you why the, the Falcons, as we know have kind of overperformed their expectation this season. They average just a smidge under 24 points per game. So far this season, the Commanders, a four point favorites going into this one. They averaged just under 20 points scored per game this season. So a lot rests obviously on the Washington defense and and you've talked about this at the the top of the show. Um, But the commanders have scored 55 points combined in the last two weeks. They do know how to get in the end zone when required. And it hasn't been against incredible teams, but you know, they're able to, they're able to score when they need to. So, on pure averages combined, there's 43 between the Falcons, 24 points a game, and the Commanders, 20 points a game. Um, remembering that the, the Washington are four point favorites, They're, they've played the Saints, Rams, and Bucks, who are all kind of around the same sort of mark as. Sorry, the Falcons have, have played the Washington Commanders. They've played. No, let me start that again. The Falcons have played the Saints, Rams and Bucks, who all sit around the same sort of ranking as the commanders defensively, and they've put up 26, 27, 15 points against those three points, but they haven't played a team that is definitively better than this Washington defense. So there is a bit of a question mark about whether they can still put up points against this type of defense. But we know that having scored that sort of score against the Saints, Rams and Bucks, that they can at least... Potentially trouble Washington, so I guess it's a really roundabout way of trying to say that this line at forty one and a half feels a couple of points too low. So I'm on the overs here at forty one and a half. It served me well last week with the uh, with the commanders. And I'm going back.
0: Look, I I trust you a lot on the over and unders, so I might follow in here as well. And I, to your point, I think I see this game going over as well. Again, I think there's probably a couple of points too low. The last four times these teams have played. It's gone over 41 points, or well over 41 points, I should say. And the only one that did go under, that was 41 flat. So these two teams historically play a bit more of a shootout kind of brand of, of football. Uh, we know that's probably not going to be the case as much in this game. But like you said, the Falcons have been getting into the end zone. Washington have been doing the same, I suppose, in a way. I think Washington keep rolling here, and, and Taylor Heineke keeps leading that team to wins and like you said, I'm probably leaning to the overs here as well. If I had to have a play, and maybe the double at the double, maybe Washington can can break out and, and get a big win here, and, and maybe you know if they can win by six or seven points, and and get to a, a total of maybe like forty four, forty five. That that's well on the cards here. So maybe a, a double at yeah. the double here, Atlanta at Washington. Moving on to the next game, we have it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the Cleveland Browns. Really interesting one. This one, of course, the Bucks coming back from Munich, and then a buy. They're going as a three and a half point favorites. The total is forty two and a half. And obviously they've they've kind of unlocked Tom Brady a little bit, I suppose, Tampa Bay in the last couple of weeks with the the ball coming out of his hand a lot quicker. Rashad White has kind of you know transformed that offense a little bit. Leonard Fournette had looked tired and slow and, and his output hasn't dropped off a staggering amount, but Rashad White's has obviously gone up. They've got him a lot more involved. He he started at running back uh, against the Seahawks. Uh the only kind of major I suppose negative from that contest in Germany was that Tom Brady fell over trying to catch a ball from Leonard Fournette. That was quite hilarious when Brady went and lined up at wide receiver. But other than that, it was a pretty comprehensive win by the Bucks against a good team in the Seahawks. So yeah, they're a team that can be dangerous, and we know uh, the talent level still on that Bucks outfit and and the Bron- and the Browns who look like they're unbelievable one like one play and then they just like. They started so hot against the Bills. They looked like they were going to be, you know, really right up to their eyeballs in that game. And then that is completely, completely shut down. And and that defense just hasn't been the same this year. I know Miles Garrett has been incredible again this year, but that Browns defense is a real worry. And, and of course, you know, their offense has been performing well. Though I mean, they've had guys playing career years. Nick Chubb has continued to thrive. David Njoku's had a career year. Donovan People jones has become a really good wide receiver. Mari Cooper obviously went off last week. So, yeah, I, I just yeah don't know how, what, what to think about the Browns because they could be unbelievable like they were against the Bengals a couple of Monday nights ago, and or they could just stink it up. So, yeah, really hard one to pick here. It's a, probably a no play for me as well, mate. But, uh, yeah, I think the Bucs probably get the job done and keep rolling and, and really take control of that NFC South now.
1: Who Who knew that all we needed to unlock Tom Brady was a divorce? I mean maybe may, maybe maybe the rest of us can take some lessons from this that to be the best the best we can be, we need to get divorced. I'm not sure. I'm not, not sure my wife would be too happy listening to this episode, but um, maybe I'll keep this she going. won't listen to the pod this week tell her that. she never listens to the pod this so we, we don't <laughs> need to worry about that, but yeah, look i think everything here from from the books, everything here feels about right i I would like to take the bucks. Mm. Here, because I, I, like you said, I feel like they're moving in the right direction. While it's at three and a half, I think it's a no play. If it comes into a flat three, then it gets a bit more interesting, and and I might have a little a little play at it. But at the three and a half, mm-hmm. I might stay out. Um, you mentioned David Njoku and Joku, and I've got him in in my kind of big fantasy league, and I've been watching him really closely this year. He is a guy having a career year, and that that injury for him came at the worst. Possible time because he was mm. he was having an unbelievable stretch in that Cleveland offense, and I think we'll. I mean, hopefully, we start to see that come back again, both both for for Cleveland and for my fantasy team. But the he's so important because he gives them another dimension. Um, you know, he's a he's a big body. He's able to, to run those kind of flat routes, uh, get into the slot, but he can also take on. You know your your safeties and and cornerbacks with with a big body and a hip and shoulder and and really lay kind of a bit of smackdown smackdown on uh, on defenses and um, just gives them a different element and and something they weren't really able to replicate without him. So yeah, I think he's kind of had his week back now and and hopefully he kind of gets back in the swing of things and uh, can play a really big part. But yeah, it's this this one is a, a no play for me unless it comes into that flat three. Uh, the Bucks way.
0: Yeah, look, I, I yeah, I, I just don't think um, yeah you can play the three and a half here. I think it's probably a bit tight. So, as you said, a flat three might might change things because the Bucks should be should be covering that uh, if you look at the two teams on paper. But uh, three and a half at home in Cleveland, yeah, just maybe stay out of that one for now until that line moves. If- and and
1: you know you know the uh, as we've spoken about, you know the agony and ecstasy of the the flat three line. It's uh, it can work really well and it can save you in some situations, but on the other side, it can it can hurt.
0: Yeah, happy to get the push. Well, in a way, I was happy to get a push last week with the the bears at the plus three, but yeah, it could have been a lot better. But anyway, like you said, it's that's the uh, that's what the, you take the flat three for, I suppose. It can can hurt you or bite you, but uh, yeah, of course, ku d- decided to make all his extra points last week, but the week prior, when I had him in my fantasy team, I, I dropped him straight after that, but missed a couple and, and cost me. But anyway, we'll move on to Cincinnati and Tennessee. It's a, a rematch of last year's AFC divisional matchup, a really interesting matchup, this one. And two teams that have kind of been in great form. And on the way up, Tennessee, of course, still the number one seed uh, in their division while the Cincinnati Bengals are trying to make ground on the Ravens. So really interesting game. The Bengals do go in as favorites at minus two and a half despite it being on the road in Tennessee. And the total is 42 and a half, Nick.
1: It's a really interesting game, really strategic. I think that there's going to be a lot of, a lot of kind of moving parts and, and pieces. It's a, it's a brilliant offense. They've been putting up staggering numbers uh, over the last kind of month and a half. A- again, last week, uh against one of the best defensive units in the competition in, in Tennessee. And, you know, we we've spoken a little bit over the last few weeks uh, about Tennessee's defense and they've kind of, they've done everything right. Um, this one is, is a stay out for me, but I'm, I'm really intrigued to just watch this to see who gets the upper hand here because so often uh, in offense versus defense battles, you know, it is the defense that, that kind of takes takes those games. But this Bengals offense, as we know, is so dynamic and it's kind of next-level dynamic. When they get everything right, they're almost impossible to stop because they've got someone coming at you from every single angle and there's only only so many... Uh, only so many players a defense can cover. So it's, it's a really interesting one. I do feel like that this game probably should be closer to Pickham. I was a bit surprised at the the Bengals being two and a half point favorites, which, uh, you know, being picky probably says that I do lean the Bengals way. Um, and so you can make an argument for the Bengals in that case. But yeah, I feel like this is a really even matchup and, and I can't take it either way. It's, it's a, a, going to be a great watch, I think, but no play for me.
0: Yeah, it's low-key one of the... Games of the week, uh, absolutely. Mm. I think it could even be that uh, on a pretty pretty lackluster week of games this week, actually. In terms of um, maybe the the Patriots Vikings is the only one that really stands out as, as a really close kind of contest between two good teams, and and this is the other one. And and like you said, it's it's probably a stay out for that reason. It, it could go either way. And the Titans have just been so good on defense, and they kind of unlocked something on offense, didn't they last last week? That was probably Traylon Burks. How good did he look on, you know, he's only his second game back from a a long-term injury and the rookie was their leading receiver by a mile and looked awesome. Uh, They got Austin Hooper, their tight end, more involved, which we know can be successful. Uh, He was very good um, as Matt Ryan's number one tight end for a number of years in Atlanta. and, And Robert Woods, of course, starting to get more involved in the offense too, but King Henry was the difference last week for the Titans on offense. And I suppose the reason we weren't super, super confident in the Titans last week, even though we... We were, we were pretty bullish on them. It was just that offense, and that was the concern, I suppose, for us. And, and if they could get enough points to cover the, that that three uh, and stay within the Packers who really, um, despite the, all the Packers' problems, have just as much, if not more, talent on that offensive side as the Titans do. But King Henry let him. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, was, it was great. That opening drive really set the scene for the Titans uh, with that Trey Lomberg's catch. And I'm, I'm glad you picked him up in fantasy this week. Uh, as a nice little streaming option with Wandel Robinson going down for us. So nice play there. And
1: It's interesting because he's he's available in quite a few leagues still. Yeah. So if, if he is available, I'd, I'd, I'd take him before someone else does. Because I think that he's going to have a really big part to play in, in the rest of the Titans he's Correct. And
0: they're going to have to throw the ball as well. I mean, you know, we know what the Titans are going to do most of the time and it's going to be run first. But Traylon Burks is going to be their number one man when they do go long down the field and he really stretches it and he's got that, that speed. So... You know, but then you match him up against the other side of the ball with that offensive weapons as he touched on. I mean, still no Jamar Chase, Mm. but the Bengals are still stacked. And and Joe Mixon, though, uh, under concussion protocol this week. Interesting to see if he plays. That's a big loss if he doesn't. Although, Mm. Pirine stepped in and took
1: three touchdowns last week, all catches. So, look. But he had, to to his credit, he had two of those before Mixon went down, though. So, very true. Uh, Also, also available in a lot of fantasy yeah. leagues so you know it could be an option if, if you're short at, at running back or Flex yeah
0: I just streamed him in this week if uh for the case that if that makes him does miss of course but look like you said I think one of the one of the best matches of the week probably a stay out couldn't pick it either way probably lean the angles if I had to again just probably for that offense but we know how good the Titans have been on defense all year and especially the last couple of weeks so really really good game to watch so yeah, no play for me, but uh, we'll sit back and enjoy that one.
1: I'm really, actually, I'm just really interested to hear from yeah, any listeners who have their own kind of betting theories or or whatever around you know, systems and, and whatever. But if, if you feel like a game should be pick'em and there's no favourite, do you, in a game like this where you've got a two-and-a-half point line, do you naturally play the underdog? Yeah, so do you take the Titans as the underdog given you feel like it should be Pickham or do you kind of let your let your gut get in the way, which is kind of what I've done?
0: Well, the, my guts get in the way all the time, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's a different story. But yeah, I think the Bengals, uh, sorry, the Titans, who are the outsiders as well being the home team and you think it's a Pickham, then yeah, I think that that probably is the one, isn't it? To, to play uh, that way. So yeah, very interesting very interesting uh, theory we'd love to hear him if you if you've got any thoughts on that kind of please let us know we'd love to hear it uh, we move on to one of the last couple games in the early slate at 5 a.m of course Chicago at the New York Jets uh, Jets going as minus four and a half point favorites which is interesting after the debacle last week the total 39 and a half however I, I just can't see the Bears troubling the Jets just because of that Jets defense and the fact I just don't think Justin fields will play this week his shoulder, as much as I said that, I think they've confirmed it wasn't a dislocation. Now he's still going to be playing with a lot of pain in that AC joint. If he does play, I think the Jets get uh, get the job done here, bounce back, and and they'll have a point to prove whether or not they go with Mike White or Joe Flacco or or of course Zach Wilson at quarterback. I mean, it was pretty damning to hear, you know, your number one receiver essentially in, in rookie Garrett Wilson kind of just say how bad bad the offense was last week post game and then of course there are a couple of tweets or social posts from other from other team from other offensive team members none more so than Elijah larger more so look very interesting
1: and and the coach and the coach came out and said that you know we haven't decided who our number one QB is so yeah he
0: didn't go into bat for Zach Wilson there and 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 can rightly so it was a pretty dire performance and uh, from the Jets on, on offense. But that defense was unbelievable. And they, they held the Patriots out of the red zone for the whole game other than that punt return. So I just think they, they swarmed the, the Bears who, of course, with some key pieces moving on the trade deadline, that defense isn't as solid. And, and that defense for me uh, is a far superior outfit for the Jets. So I think they hold the, the Bears to a very low score. Uh, they'll do enough to cover that four and a half for me, mate. So, yeah,
1: that's where I'm thinking in the Jets minus four and a half. But I think we might have a head-to-head here. I think we do because uh, I think the reality is that I just don't really trust New York as a favourite mm-hmm. over just about anyone in the league by over a field goal this season. So, that's, I mean, that's just my own kind of bias. I think the Chicago offence has improved over the last month and, and we know so much of that is down to, to Justin Fields and, and his play. Um, but even... Even without him, I think that they now understand kind of what they've got to do from a franchise perspective, from a gameplay perspective, from a play calling perspective, what they've got to do. And I don't know, I I just feel like they've improved in a number of ways over the last kind of five or six weeks. And their way to DVOA proves this. Their, Their ranking is moving upwards. It has been for the last month and a half. Just in the last week they went from uh, 21st in overall DVOA to 19th in overall DVOA weighted to recent recent performances so that's kind of where where I'm at so'm I'm, I'm leaning Chicago here at, at the plus line uh, because I do feel like like the Jets are a favorite for a reason um, but I feel like it should be closer to a field goal than, than four and a half points and I just don't I just don't really rate them at all. So the Bears at, at this line for me.
0: Yeah, it's fair enough. I, I just think, yeah, I still think the Jets defence is is elite or at least top ten in the league, where the Bears uh, are a fair way off that, I think, as well. As well as Justin Fields has been leading that offense and I just don't think they risk him. They shouldn't be playing him this week if I was a Bears Bears uh coach or GM, I just think you put Justin Fields on ice for a couple of weeks at least till he gets right and you know, you've got nothing to play for at three and eight, bottom of the NFC uh, the Jets have got a lot more on the line, so I think
1: the Jets get it done here. For what it's worth, you mentioned the Jets' defense being elite. They're ranked sixth overall in DVOA. They're ranked fifth for pass defense and eighth for rush defense. I'm glad you've got some stats to back me up there, but... Uh... That that was uh
0: off the cuff, but I think yeah, you're not you're not wrong, you're not wrong. I don't see it wrong too often, mate. But uh, now we'll move on quickly to the last game of the five a.m. window, Houston at the Dolphins, Miami big favorites minus thirteen total forty six and a half. Not really much to jump on in this one. Miami will win. Proof to eight and three. Don't know if they can cover that big line.
1: Hmm. Not much else to
0: say. I think they'll just they'll win, and, and it'll be a pretty lackluster kind of contest.
1: Yeah, no, I think you. I think you're right. It's it's going to be a spanking for Miami. The question is how much they win by. Uh, is it enough to cover two touchdowns? Essentially, uh, I think the line is spot on. The total is spot on. There's not much to play here for me. It's uh it's a, a stay out. But um, I mean, Miami to win and win easily. Moving on to the
0: eight AM slate. Now we've got a couple of interesting games here. Kicking off with the Las Vegas Raiders at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks minus three and a half favorites. Total forty seven and a half.
1: This is a really confusing one to be honest. it might be a stay out. it might be an overs play here. I'm just not quite sure my gut says overs at forty seven and a half. my brain says to stay out which one wins probably the gut just because I'm a degenerate and yeah I want to travel again so it's a maybe at the overs forty seven and a half but I'm not quite sure yet so that's probably one that I'll decide on Monday morning. Hard to read this one. Obviously,
0: the Seahawks went over to Munich riding a wave of momentum. They were looking awesome. They're looking potentially like division winners. The NFC West, San Francisco, of course, are now on top of that division, though, with with the Seahawks' loss and, of course, the bye last week. So it just feels like a long time since I've seen Seattle play, and They were okay against the Bucs. They certainly were a lot better in the second half. They were down 14-zip in the first half and and didn't really fire a shot. But they certainly made it a contest in that second half, which showed that they are probably a a good team and and certainly a team that's on the rise. And and Geno kind of was a big part of that. And same with Kenneth Walker, who did it more in the the passing game than he did on the ground last time out. So, yeah, interesting to see Seattle back at home. Don't know what to make of the Raiders. I, I honestly didn't see them kind of making a fist of that game in Denver last week. They they looked awful at the start of the game. I know we mentioned in Denver they looked awesome at the start and then it just completely flipped. And the the Raiders, probably behind Max Crosby on defense, who's been elite again this mm. year, kind of turned that game. Beast. And, of course, you've got a guy like Devontae Adams to throw the ball to. That helps a lot.
1: So the Raiders can be dangerous. How, how they got him so free on that overtime play for the touchdown <laughs> is just astonishing. Like – against that defense against like that defense. how that Denver defense allowed Devonte Adams to be that alone for so long that they could get him the ball the way that they did for that touchdown was just i mean amazing incredible like incredible play calling for them to be able to make it work but i don't know what den like Denver just fell asleep
0: yeah which is, has been more the case on their offense falling asleep than their defense mm. but a brutal loss for the Broncos and and a great win for the Raiders who have now swept the Broncos this season. So two of their three wins have, they have come against the cover against the uh, Broncos. And Josh Jacobs got kind of back to his best with another hundred yard rushing game. Uh, he was the only Raider to have a carry in that game. He had twenty four rushing attempts. Not one other Las Vegas Raider had a rushing attempt, if you can believe that. And Devontae was pretty much a, a one man band in the receiving game. But they they got it done, and that's why they're just sneaky a sneaky good team. The Raiders, and they, they don't mm. on paper they should not be three and seven. So Look, I think I stay out from this one. Again, yeah, it could be a shootout. Maybe that's the way to play if, if you're playing the overs, so I might jump on board with you, mate, because I, I want to get overseas as well. So maybe I have to take it. A... <laughs> we'll, we'll chat. We'll chat on Sunday night sounds or Monday good. morning and see see where things are at. It sounds good. And if we, we've got any kind of last-minute multis, we'll, we'll be posting them across socials as well. So we'll let you guys know as well. Uh, the LA Chargers is the next game up for for discussion against the Arizona Cardinals, who return from Mexico City. Of course, uh, Chargers go in. As <laughs> there we go with that <laughs> against four
1: point favorites.
0: Well, I can say it <laughs> made my night last week. I look Mexican now with my my Movember mustache. At the That's moment. right,
1: and we've got to we've got to remember at the end of the show to share your uh, your Movember link to uh, yes for, for charity. It's for a great cause. So if we forget yes. at the end of the show again, like we did last week, then. Think about it now. Ryan will put it on Twitter. Yeah,
0: 100% of the funds obviously go to Movember. So, yeah, that would be a good cause. If you, anyone can dig deep or spare anything, that would be amazing. Uh, we we'll would be much appreciative uh, of that one. So, thank you for the reminder, Nick. But, yeah, the Chargers at the Cardinals. Chargers minus four favourites, total 47.5. And, and as I kind of touched on off the top, the Chargers have been playing their best two games of the season the last couple of weeks, and they haven't won a game. So, I think they keep rolling here. Arizona, we know how poor they are at home. They're obviously coming back from very high altitude in Mexico City, which, you know, the players were really struggling to get oxygen in. Uh, Of course, Rondell Moore might be missing, so another offensive weapon goes down. For the Cardinals, they just, uh, yeah, Kyler Murray might be back for this one. He looked close to suiting up uh, for last week's game, but I just don't know if that's going to make too much of a difference. The Chargers are starting to kind of roll, I think, and the minus four is, is tempting for me, and I'll, I'll probably be playing that for the Chargers minus four.
1: Yeah, like you said, I kind of agree. The Chargers were pretty good last week and have been for a couple of weeks. Um, Arizona clearly outplayed by San Francisco in Mexico City last week um, and we're, were by far, I think, possibly even the scoreline flattered them. I mean, they were so far and away the better team, the Niners. Um and probably should have won by more, I think, in the end. But I think that w- what does it for me this week is that the Chargers have disappointed me and disappointed us too many times this season. You know, we're, we're 12 weeks in, 11 weeks in, and, and they've disappointed me now. I think there's, there's a line through them from my perspective, from betting betting on them at the, uh, at the minus line. So I'm not sure I can play them. I, w- I want to, but I'm not sure I can. So it's probably a no play from me, but... Emotionally, it's a a lean to the Chargers at the minus four, I think.
0: Yeah, I think the Cardinals are going backwards uh, pretty quickly this season, unfortunately, for them. And the Chargers still have a lot to say in uh, the postseason. Well, hopefully, I think think they can can create a bit of um, disruption there in the AFC. How's this for a game? Uh, Very interesting. Uh, If you'd kind of told me Kansas City would be minus 14.5 point favorites against the reigning Super Bowl champions, the LA Rams, yes, it's said arrowhead, but goodness gracious me, there's a golfing class between these two teams all of a sudden, uh, which you wouldn't have said this time last year. Uh, the total in this one, 44, mate. What are you thinking?
1: I probably would have punched you in your dirty Sanchez Movember <laughs> face if you told me 12 weeks ago that this line was going to be 14.5 points. Like, there's just – it is insane to me. And I mean, it, it, it's understandable, you know, having seen what's happened over the course of this season. This – Rams team is just a mess we know how good the Chiefs are that's no surprise even though we probably did predict a bit of a decline from the Chiefs preseason but you know we knew it last week we took the Saints we know it here that there is a massive golfing class like you said but over two touchdowns on your home deck is a massive line to take and I just don't think that I'm willing to take it because even with Cooper Cup out even with Matthew Stafford out which he should be. I mean they should just put him on ice for the rest of the season. Maybe for the rest of his career. Like maybe that's it for Matt Stafford. The guys the guys had concussions. Um like why risk it he finally he finally got his playoff appearance, he finally got his playoff win, he got a Super Bowl ring. Like what else does he have to prove he's he's going to be a a Hall of Famer? Um I don't know. I don't know why you risk the guy now when the season's done. You know, they're not winning anything this season. They they're certainly not going back to back. Um, but the point is that even without those two guys, there is still enough talent, especially on the defensive line, but also on offense as well, um, to, to, you know, trouble teams. And so 14 and a half, two touchdowns at home is, is a humongous line. I think the chiefs win and I think they win well, but I can't bet 15 points or more. Like that's just crazy against the reigning Super Bowl champs on their, on their own deck. It's it's a no play for me.
0: I really want to play Kansas City here because I honestly think they should just destroy the Rams, uh, especially with Matt. They yeah. should. Uh, who's suiting up for the Rams at quarterback? It, it definitely won't be Matthew Stafford. It, sh- it shouldn't be, as you as you mentioned. And if it's Bryce Perkins against Patrick Mahomes, that is the biggest quarterback discrepancy in the history of the NFL. <laughs> I hadn't even heard of this guy before, bloody, he came <laughs> on the field last week. And and Patrick Mahomes is just one of the greatest, obviously, in modern history. And I, yeah, it's just going to be an absolute blowout. The only concern, I suppose, of the 14 and a half is that how easy the Chiefs will take it. Will they start pulling blokes off mm-hmm. at time and, you know, throwing on their third stringers or what's going to happen there? But even then, I still think they destroyed the Rams who just looked like a, a beaten team this year, and and they were awful again last week against the. And a very winnable match against the Saints, and they they didn't really. I mean, they did lead early in that match, but it didn't look didn't look good. And um, yeah, it, it's it's just a such an incredible fall from grace as we've touched on a couple of times throughout this season. But yeah, it's it's actually staggering. Uh, they obviously still got Aaron Donald on that on the defensive side of the ball, but he just doesn't make an impact this year because he he's just on the field too much. He's getting blocked by three guys every time. There's no one else making plays. They just stay on the field for so long. He's absolutely gassed. It's yeah, it's just a, a worrying sign this year for the Rams. And as you said, the season is done. So And the Chiefs just go in and, and get the job done in, in front of their home crowd this week. Uh, we'll move on to the Saints and the San Francisco 49ers who are putting up a big start, especially... Coming back from Mexico City, as we mentioned, all that altitude, uh, total 43 and a half, But we know how good the Niners are at home. They are undefeated at home so far this season. They've got a three straight home games now coming up. So they've got an incredible um, draw coming up before they go to Seattle to play the Seahawks, which will ultimately decide that division. But um, yeah, very interesting game, this one. I think this, the Niners are, are probably... Yeah, deserving of that line, just risky to play it if you were thinking to play that line with them coming back from a overseas trip, short break, only six days, of course, before coming back and facing a, a Saints team who should be high on confidence, getting a win finally and, and potentially kick their season. But the books are probably pretty close to, to being bang on here. I just couldn't take the Niners at nine and a half here, um, but they should be winning and winning comfortably.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I think you're spot on there. I think the markets are just about right. I think potentially the only way they could be writer is if it was a flat nine and then I'd probably take it because you've got the safety blanket, but uh, nine and a half. I'm not going to take either way. I think it's, it's perfect from the books as we know, they so often are. Uh, I think the total is just about right as well. It's uh yeah, it's a big, big stay out for me, but, but you know, I think you're right that the Niners should win and, and win well, but it is it's a tough matchup.
0: Green Bay Packers up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Philly flat seven line forty six and a half, mate. What are you thinking? No play. How much do the Eagles win by? No play, because they win. You, you, there's no way the Packers are going in to Philly and knocking you off, are they? Six and a half. Six. Okay. So in that. <laughs> <laughs> is at the plus then guys you he heard it here first. Now I learned my lesson last week. I'm not playing in another Philly game all season. I've been season. telling I was you very high I've on I've been telling Philly, you
1: for 2 years. Mack
0: the Colts last week and they trailed the whole game. I've been and, telling uh, you for 2 years don't minute.
1: bet Eagles games. There's a reason. How good was how good was the the play design though on the on the winning touchdown. Jalen Hurts had a paddock in front of him. Nick Sirianni's good at what he does. Loves it. Nick Sirianni's good at what he does and he knows he knows that indie team very well.
0: Yes, yes of course um under Frank Reich in previous life and who is no longer there. And Jeff Saturday has got the Colts playing well. So uh, interesting topic that we haven't discussed, but we might.
1: Not on on Sunday night, hopefully, (laughs) for Jeff Saturday.
0: Oh, goodness. It is getting late, isn't it, here in Melbourne? Anyway, Green Bay at Philly. (laughs) Philly win. No play either. Stay out, but the Eagles roll on, I think. And if there wasn't a nail in that coffin already, there is an extreme one put into that Green Bay coffin for season 2022 after Sunday Night Football. We move on to a blockbuster. I don't know how this game got through, snuck through to Monday Night Football, but it is anyway, and it's the Pittsburgh Steelers up against the Indianapolis Colts. Indy go in as favourites,
1: surprisingly for me, in this one. Minus two and a half point favourites, total 39 and a half, Nick. There's an argument for both sides here, and I think the argument for Indy is that they are, I think, probably the more talented franchise they're playing terribly at the moment, but I think they overall have more talent a more balanced team. Maybe, maybe not more talented, but more balanced maybe. Um, and that's, that is a huge pro for the Colts, but we haven't really seen it at all this season. Um, historically I've been a supporter and a regular punter on both of these teams, but I don't I don't think I can take either of them here just because it feels, again, a bit like the, the Bengals game earlier. It feels like this should be closer to Pickham. And I'm not sure either team deserves to be favourite or both teams deserve to be a favourite because of the way their seasons have panned out in their last couple of weeks. And, you know, Pittsburgh defence starting to roll again. TJ Watt back and causing havoc. Um, and then Indy coming up and, and you know, essentially nearly rolling the, the number one seeds last week. So... Yeah. Anything can happen in this game. And it's, it's a really intriguing one. I actually don't mind it for a a Monday night game. For that fact, it should be a really interesting watch, but you know, you look at, you know, you could have Green Bay Philly, you could have the Saints Niners could have the Rams chiefs. You could have cards chargers. You could have almost any other game would have a right to be, you know, prime time game this week, but Bengals Titans um, for please. Bengals Titans. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but actually, I I don't mind it for that reason that that it is my only fifty fifty.
0: Yeah, my only knock is that it's two teams that are fairly well under five hundred and yeah you know, aren't yeah. playoff contenders. I get it; they're still two big drawing teams. In the fact that they're you know the main most successful teams in the
1: AFC, obviously. The Steelers haven't had to lose, but there's record in fifteen. But years. there's three. There's three games on Thursday night football, you know, Friday morning out our time, yeah. and and so there's only num- you know, a certain number of games. But you're right. It it should be, it probably should be that um, Bengals Titans game on Monday yeah. night. But again, like this is a, it's a really compelling matchup for a number of reasons, and win loss record isn't one of them in this case.
0: How where the Steelers end up? Do they do they finally break that? that record of Mike Tomlin not having a losing season, then surely, surely that kind of, that unbelievable streak of 15 years comes to a close this year. Sitting at three and seven, although I do think they'll win. And I, I do think they'll cover. Um, they have won seven straight against the Colts. They have a better defense than the Colts. They don't have a good, oh, I don't know. They're showing something with Kenny Pickett at, at quarterback. And, they put on 30 against the Bengals last week. And, and I know that was a bit more of a shootout in terms of how the game script kind of happened. But George Pickens is starting to look really good at, at wide receiver. Najee Harris is starting to, even though he's he was awesome last year as a rookie, he's kind of found a second win this season in a way. Uh, TJ Watt is still TJ Watt. And we saw what he did last week with one of the most incredible interceptions you'll ever see. So for me, I, I think the Steelers go in and get the job done here. They've also won 12 of their last 14 Monday games. So they're they're big time kind of teams, big on players. So, yeah, I I think they go in and and I think that's a nice little little start, two and a half. I'm happy to take the Steelers here in this one. Still don't trust the Colts, even though they've been better the last couple of weeks with the new coach, but uh, just think they're heading in a different direction at
1: the moment, Indianapolis. So for me, it's the Steelers. That one that one that you mentioned is, is a really intriguing kind of side story The the relationship and rapport between Pickett and Pickens, which looks like it's starting to to grow legs. We saw a bit of it in in preseason and some, some strides, I guess both with with both of those guys. Um, But it's really only been in the last kind of week or two that we've started to see it actually on the field. Um, And, yeah, that could be a really dangerous combo moving forward for the for the Steelers. Yeah, they're both really talented guys. They've just kind of gotta put it together.
0: And that's um, the good thing, I
1: suppose, for the Steelers that they've got these
0: you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit by by seeing these glimpses. I mean, to go back to Matt Ryan is a step backwards for the Colts. I know they they won and then they almost beat you guys last week, but I just think they need to persist with Sam go to find out a little bit more about him and of course they've got some good young receivers. Alex Pierce has been non existent, I suppose, the last couple of weeks since since Jeff Saturday's got there and they've been obviously they've got Michael Pittman who's a who's a stud and and we both want him to continue to go well. So maybe it is better for Matt Ryan to be at quarterback mm-hmm. for that reason. But uh look, they they just needed to kind of persist. And Jonathan Taylor obviously back healthy helps enormously for the Colts as well. But yeah, just think the start for the Steelers is quite tempting for a from Monday night football play, mate, and that brings us to lock of the week. Let's decide what we want to do here. We're at six and five on the season. Could have so easily been eight and three or seven and four, but alas, we're still above five hundred, which is very nice spot to be in the black. But uh, let's find one here, mate. And the way we probably have to go is either the Bills or the or the Ravens that we both uh, agree on.
1: Bills or Ravens or we were both on the unders in the Broncos-Panthers. Yes, yes. Um, yeah, one of those.
0: Or even potentially, how keen are you on the overs in the in the Falcons-Commanders game? Because I could easily be tempted into that. Like I said, um, you've been hitting pretty well on the over-unders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I do quite like that one. I do quite like that one. I feel like that one should be around 44, 45. And even that might be... Or too low To be honest
0: 27-21 Kind of game
1: Yeah uh, I could go anyway mate
0: I'll, I'll leave this one to you um, Actually you know what You talked us into The Ravens last week I'm, I'm going to Pull rank here all right, You're Not cool I don't have any rank But I'm going to I'm going to jump in And we're going to go away From those over and unders And we're just going to Stick fat And the Bills win by 10
1: The Bills the Bills and, is And uh, cover to start the week Alright Here we go This is your time to shine Punch it in Buffalo, oh, minus nine. Buffalo minus nine and, yep, and a half, mate. That's the one. <coughs> Happy to play that. All right, that's it. Beautiful. Lock it in. Lock of the week. Excellent. Well, I think you know we're well into the second half of the season. I think what we'd we'd love to hear is, I guess, more thoughts from you guys, from the listeners. Um, you know, what do you want to hear? What do you like? What do you not like? What do you want to hear more of? What do you want to hear less of? That's what we want to know as we kind of. Start thinking about what we're going to do next year. Um, yeah, you know, what, what is the format of the show? We'll continue this this format for the rest of the season. But yeah, you know, what do you want to hear? Is there stuff that you know we're not giving you that you you, you want to hear, um, or stuff that we're giving you that you find completely useless? Um, let us know, and you know we we can do whatever we can to, to try and you know give you guys what you want to hear. So let us know. We're on Twitter, uh, punt return podcast on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram at NFL podcast. We are on TikTok, but I haven't checked that for about 12 weeks. So yeah, maybe, maybe you don't go there. Um, but we're pretty much everywhere. So reach out. We want to hear from you guys. Uh, we want to hear what you guys want to hear from us. So yeah, let us know.
0: Yeah. Well said mate. Spot on. And, and that, you know, this is why we, we, we do the show. Obviously we love NFL and we love having a chat with one another, but we obviously want to inform you guys as best we can and, and want to hear from you guys. So we're producing you know, the best best version of our podcast as well. So, yeah, if it goes for too long or if it's too short or whatever it may be, um, yeah, just please let us know, as, as Nick said, via via the social media channels. He said we're everywhere. So, yeah, we'll catch you again next week, Nick. So thank you so much, mate. Uh, we'll sign off there and, and hopefully it's another great week of NFL action.
1: Looking forward to a lot more green ticks again this week in our uh, in our betting sheet and uh, more profit.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we'll sign off with a uh, go bills. Go
1: birds.